I've been uh, wanting to share this with you guys, uh, this particular topic. Uh, every once a month we do this Ironworks, and I, uh, for the last couple of years I've been um, just sharing various topics that, you know, kind of tend to surface uh, over the years in ministry, just watching how we as guys uh, do well or, or not so good. Uh, like, what are some of our strong points? What are some of our weak points? And uh, so, you know, it's good for us to be able to kind of just sit and get, get the guys together. I'm always thankful. I love Saturday morning ironworks. Um, uh, you know, as iron sharpens iron, you know, that's, that, that's what the Bible talks about, how we get to sharpen the, you know, the countenance of a friend. And I think that's what sometimes is good for us as brothers to, you know, sharpen each other, talk about things that uh, we need to talk about. Um, one of the things that I uh, thank the Lord more and more uh, every day that goes by in my life is how I had a dad that was into, you know, sharpening and ironworks. Uh, even though the sparks fly when you're sharpening, it, it, uh, it never slowed my dad down. Even to this day, my dad will call me and just say, hey, Brett, you know, how you doing? And um, remember, don't let Satan get a handle on you. Uh, like that's a phrase I knew about that represented like five or 10 family devos when I was a little kid. And, you know, he, he drew pictures. He used to do our family devos and he'd, he'd take a chalkboard and draw these great uh, stick figure guys. They were, they'd come to life as far as my, me and my sisters were concerned. But, you know, he'd draw little pictures of a little guy and he's going along life. Also this little handles on the back of his back, you know, and, uh, and you see this, this kind of evil hand coming in and, and starting to get a hold of that handle. And the more he got a hold of it, the bigger the handle got. And, and, it, like he, and, he, and he drew this little thing. And by the end of the thing, this little guy's being jerked around by this evil hand, you know? And, and it's like, Satan wants to get a handle on you. That was like language he'd use. And so even to this day, you know, here I am, 54 years old. And you know, don't let Satan get a handle on you. Um, and I'm thankful for those reminders because, you know, we guys... Satan wants to get a handle on you and jerk you around and, uh, and get you stuck in sin and trapped with uh, just stupid things. Um, so I'm, th I'm thankful for those reminders, you know, and, uh, or, or, you know, long is the list of those things. My dad will, even to this day, still remind me of those things. But I'm thankful that I have someone like that who, who's constantly kind of just keeping the edge, you know, trying to keep things sharp. Uh, I hope every man has a guy. If it's not your dad, hopefully it's another brother or a couple other brothers that you uh, are accountable to and with and talk to. If nobody can speak into your life, you're in a horribly dangerous position. You might not think you're in a dangerous spot. Uh, I'm sure that Cuomo and uh, Clinton and Cosby uh, and others, you know, I'm sure they all thought they were perfectly safe too. Uh, but, uh, but they ended up just, you know, kind of blowing up their lives uh, and that's what happens with us guys. Um, and by the way, isn't it interesting that the enemy, he's kind of got one play and he uses that play over and over and over again. But you know, if you're, if you're running up the middle and you get 11 yards every time, you'll use that play uh, over and over again. You know, and that's, that's what the enemy does. And um, so, man, you gotta be careful as a guy in this world today. We need to be sharpening one another. And that's what these ironworks are about. I wanted to talk this, uh, this morning about uh, the simple topic of your walk. If you could just sort of uh, introspectively think for a second, you know, how is my personal walk with the Lord? You know, um, if you had to um, uh, tell, tell someone, okay, my walk is pretty much fill in the blank. Is it, is it steady? Uh, is, it, is it, you know, immovable? Is, is your walk uh, consistent? Or is your walk, is it sometimes a sprint? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it just a, a marathon? Is it, is it a walk? Is it a run? Is it, is it leaping and flying? 
Isaiah 40, you know, talks about uh, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you ever wondered why the Lord put that in that order? In my mind, you know, initially, it just seems like, uh, first of all, they should walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. And then they shall mount up with wings as eagles. But I wonder if the Lord puts the walk last in that list because it might be just the best. I know guys that mount up with wings like eagles, but they never walk. How many times have you seen a guy who gets on fire for the Lord and just like, he's just ready to roll. And man, I'm gonna be a missionary. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna write, write the Bible in my own handwriting. I'm gonna memorize all the scripture. And you know, just suddenly guys just start getting all you know, fired up. But that's today. Tomorrow, they're down at the strip club, uh, you know, checking out the girls. It's like, what happens to these guys? I, I'm not sure the Lord always asks for a sprint. Um, thank the Lord, I was never a sprinter. <laughs> uh, even in high school when I was in good shape, I, was, I loved being a shot putter, discus, javelin, because we just sat around in the sun and once in a while we'd, you know, put the shot. <laughs> I'd watch all those other crazy people running around and go, ha you know, we'd put the speakers on my Volkswagen up on the roof, you know, and just listen to music and, you know, it was just great. Um, I like the slow and steady, man, that's the way to go. Um, is the Lord in, into us having a walk with him? Um, you know, a lot of times you hear this kind of in the Bible, the language of the Bible is, are you walking with the Lord? Does, who had a walk with the Lord? And, and you never hear the run, except for Paul, you know, he says, I've run the race to win the prize. Paul, Paul did talk about that in a running sort of sense. But, um, but even in Paul's wording there, when you look it up in the Greek text, it's, it's not running like sprint. It's more of a long, long marathon. Um, and uh, and that's, that's what the Lord, I think, would ask of you maybe today is to say, how is my walk? Is it steady? Is it progress? Is my walk better today than it was 10 years ago if you're an older Christian? Um, you know, you have to ask these things. And, and I believe the Bible gives great credit to uh, people who have that walk. Um, one of the guys in the Bible that's pretty famous, even though he only gets like a couple verses in the whole Bible, like, think about, the, think about the guys that got all the ink, you know, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, David. Those are all great dudes. Um, some of those guys had really great walks. Other guys didn't. David had a very inconsistent walk. Um, you know, David at times was doing really well, but there were times where he plummeted down to where he was, you know, Psalm 32. You know, oh, the Lord's hand was heavy on me and I he was trying to keep my sins secret to the Lord and he wasn't really walking with the Lord at that moment. Um, the good thing about David is he got back on the, on the wagon and, and got going again, that's good. But this idea of a walk, um, you know, the one who's probably most famous for his walk is a guy named Enoch. Why don't you grab your Bible, turn there to Genesis with me and I, I wanna kind of review this little guy Enoch, um, and we'll think about, what, what, what did God think about this guy, Enoch? Now, in Genesis chapter five, we have that most amazing genealogy. Um, I love that. Uh, you know, that, why is this an amazing gene, genealogy? Well, it's, it's interesting because there's the list of those guys from, you know, um, uh, from really all the way from Adam uh, to Noah. Uh, the, the, the antediluvian world, as they call it, you know, the pre-flood people. 
And these were the families and the fathers of these uh, people. Um, now, why is it most amazing? Um, the gospel message is embedded in this little genealogy. I love this. If you look at each name of these guys, um, uh, this isn't really my point, but I can't go by this without saying something about it. Um, so you, you, know, you, you uh, look at um, you know, Adam there in the list uh, in, in uh, chapter five. Adam, you know, uh, does anybody know what his, his name means? Man, Adam, man, that's what it means, man. Um, but then you go on down the list, you got Seth in verse seven, which means appointed. Uh, Enos means subject to death. Uh, Kainan, you know, it goes right down the, the list, you know, um, of all these things, uh, Mahalil and Jared. But if you put it all together in the names list, uh, I don't have time for this, you can look at this on Genesis 5 teaching online that we did, but it means if you, the whole thing, if you put all the words together, man's appointed, subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down dedicated, dying he shall send to you, uh, to the poor, being destroyed, rest and comfort. <laughs> it's a great, like, it, does the Lord encrypt stuff in his word? I don't know, but this is pretty cool if you ask me. When you take all these meanings of the names and you can get the gospel message out of Genesis chapter five in a, in a genealogy, uh, that's, that's the Bible I like to read. You know, just there's, there's so much here. Um, now, some people get caught up in all these mysterious things about the Bible. And I've learned that, you know what? I'm, I, I could spend the rest of my life just trying to figure out the things that are overtly said. I don't have to go looking for the mysterious things because I'm still trying to figure out, you know, some of these basic things. But the, the, one of the names in here, all these names are listed and, and the names, you know, it just says, you know, he, he lived 15 years and begat sons and daughters and this guy lived, you know, 300 years or 600 years. You know, the, the, the pre-flood world, they lived a long time. But there's one guy in this list that gets more of a, of a, um, a biography a little bit than these other guys. Check it out. It's right here in chapter five, verse 21. It says, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. How long did he walk with God? I don't think any of you have matched that yet. At least I don't think so. Uh, or you'd be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, 300 years walking with the Lord. And verse 23, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. It says it twice. When, when the Bible says something twice, it's, it's, it's just wanting us to notice. And it's an emphasis. It's something that's important. So here we go again. He walked with God. And it says, he was not for God took him. And then it goes on and explains Methuselah. Um, now, all this to say, why does Enoch get these several, you know, these three verses, four verses really, um, and what's the deal with that? Why did Enoch get more ink than everybody else? Well, the Bible gives us a hint right here that he walked with God. He had that walk with the Lord. And because of that, something strange happened to him. Uh, what happened to Enoch? Well, it says here, Enoch walked with God, verse 24, and then he was not, for God took him. What, what in the world is going on there? God took Enoch? What does that mean? Well, we believe that God just took him without dying. He's one of the few guys, in fact, there's only two guys in the Bible that uh, didn't seem to see death, um, which is an interesting discussion in and of itself for you Bible students. You guys know that in the last days, there's these two prophets of old 
that are gonna come back during the, in the, during the tribulation period. Remember those two witnesses that are talked about in the book of Revelation? Um, who are those two witnesses? Well, many of us believe they're, they're prophets from the Old Testament. And so some argue that it'll be Enoch. And who was the second guy who didn't see death? Elijah. Right, Elijah. He went up in that fiery chariot, right? So, so some say maybe it's, you know, Bible says it is appointed once for a man to die. So maybe these guys, the Lord said, okay, we're taking you up early uh, and tucking you away for a while. But in the end, we're gonna bring you back. And uh, they're gonna be the two witnesses in Jerusalem. Some people believe it's those guys. Others say, no, it's Moses and Elijah. And, and I, there's arguments for that. Moses, there was some weird stuff going on around his death, if you remember, where Satan contended for the body of Moses. Remember that whole thing in the book of Jude? Um, so there's all kinds of debate about who those witnesses will be. Uh, but some suggest it's Enoch because he was never one who saw death. He was taken up to be with the Lord. Now, uh, Another sideline, I get off on tangents. If you're new here, don't be shocked by this. Um, uh, but, um, but one thing I wanna remind you, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that believe the rapture of the church is real, it's gonna happen. First Thessalonians chapter four says, you know, there's gonna come a time uh, just right before the tribulation where it says those that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Um, and so uh, the rapture of the church is something I believe in. And uh, what's interesting is I believe Enoch is a great picture of the rapture in the Old Testament. I remember these layers in the Bible and the Old Testament illustrates New Testament truths. You know, the flood was coming, the earth was about to be destroyed, Noah was alive, but the Lord takes Enoch. Before the wrath of God is poured out upon the world in the flood, the Lord takes Enoch, why? Because he walked with God. Um, and this guy that walked the Lord, the Lord says, I'm taking him out before I'm gonna flood the earth. That's interesting to me. Um, some people say, yeah, but Brett, we're gonna have to go through the tribulation and the rapture's at the end of the tribulation. But see, look at Noah had to go through the tribulation. No, I don't know about that. Um, well, yeah, thank you, thanks, thanks, Sean. The drum's right here, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. No, I'll tell you why I don't know about that. Because Noah is a beautiful picture of what God's gonna do with the Jews in the tribulation. He's gonna bring his people, the Jews, all of Israel will be saved during the seven-year period called the tribulation. They're gonna be saved even as Noah and his family were saved in the, in, through the flood. So there's some interesting pictures. Again, I don't build my whole theology on or, or doctrine on the rapture, rapture of the church on Enoch. But uh, there's a there's hundred other verses that we could talk about uh, about that, but it's just an, an interesting little picture of what I think is gonna happen in the last days. There's a people group that's gonna be taken to be with the Lord uh, before the wrath is poured out on the Christ-rejecting sinful world. If you're a Christian today, if you believe in Jesus, it's not 144,000 Jehovah's Witness. Um, it always cracks me up how the Jehovah's Witness try to claim that they're the 144,000, uh, even though they're listed by tribe there in the book of Revelation, you know. Uh, but uh, no, it's not 144,000. It's anyone who's a believer in Christ and is saved will be taken up to be with the Lord. Enoch is a picture of that, I believe. Uh, the, the, the taken up. And why was he taken up? Because he walked with God. Uh, I know that that might seem like a minor topic for us to talk about, but I think it's super important. First of all, let's break it down those... Just, just first of all, he walked. Second, secondly, he walked with God. And, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what, e what else Enoch did. There's actually one more thing we learn about Enoch in another scripture. So walking. Now, notice he's walking with God. 
Amos, the prophet, you can jot this down in your notes, Amos 3, 3. Amos, uh, the prophet, said, can two walk together except they be, anybody know? Agreed, right. Uh, the prophet was walk, writing down something. Can, can two walk together except they be agreed? In other words, when two friends are walking together, um, you, you, there, there's usually some level of agreement if you're walking with someone. If you see two guys walking down the street uh, and they're just kind of walking together, you know, well, those guys might know each other and at least they're not fighting each other <laughs> uh, and they're not walking opposite directions. <clears throat> and, and that's kind of the implication. When you walk with someone, there's an agreement. Um, uh, you know, if men are walking contrary to God, is it possible for them to walk with God? Well, of course, that's, that's impossible. You can't be contrary to God. Now, now, that's the saddest question here this morning that you have to ask. Do I walk contrary to God? And I know that there's, over the years, I've watched guys say, man, I just don't feel very close to the Lord. I don't feel like the Lord hears my prayers. I don't feel like when I read the Bible, it doesn't really do much for me. But here's the thing, and, and I don't mean to sound condescending because we're all sinners and we all make mistakes, but there is a difference between a guy stumbling in a mistake versus a guy who's walking in his mistakes. A guy who's just saying, yeah, I'm taking up sin and I'm pretty much gonna do it and I'm gonna keep doing it uh, and I'm not even really wrestling against it. Um, if you're a guy who's walking contrary to God, don't be shocked if your prayers seem to fall flat and if your reading of the scriptures seems to be boring and a waste of time. If you're walking contrary to God, you're not walking with God. And the only way to be a, a, a Christian man uh, who's hearing from the Lord and sensing the Lord's presence in his life is you need to be walking with the Lord. There's a walk that's required, not walking contrary to the Lord. Uh, let's get ex extremely uh, you know, practical on this one. If a guy is you know, allowing his own life to be in a place where he's walking in sin, practicing sin, you know, like in Galatians, it talks about in chapter six, verse one, it says, you, um, we need to deal tenderly with those that are overtaken in a fault, it says in Galatians 6, one. But you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now that's an interesting thing, the way we're supposed to deal with people who are overtaken in a sin or a fault. You which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. What's this about? Did you know there's a difference in the Bible between somebody who's overtaking sins versus the guy who's overtaken in a sin? What's the difference? Well, let's say a guy, um, you know, is just uh, stumbling along, walking with the Lord, and then he sees an image on Instagram or uh, he, he's watching a movie and suddenly there's this lusty scene uh, and that guy's like, oh man. And he, and he just senses he shouldn't have been watching that show in the first place uh, or whatever. And, and the question is, what's going on in his heart? There's a guy who just stumbled in a, a, a lustful thought or a lustful temptation. Um, uh, that, that's different than the guy who's got a secret account online where he's got a secret identity and he's, he's got a certain account that lets all the uh, images of pornography or girls in bikinis or whatever, and you're actually making provision, practicing, walking in sin, walking contrary to the Lord on a steady progressive thing. It's not that you're wrestling against it, you're just kind of making it so nobody's gonna catch you. 
that nobody knows you know, that that's what you're doing. So you're, you got this kind of secret thing going on. Man, I, I wish I, I could tell you some of the stories of, of things that I've had to deal with in marriages. Um, you know, there, there's guys that had entire, uh, I've counseled guys through, they had an entire apartment rented and ready to roll so he could bring girls home to his house that his wife didn't even know he had. An apartment, a separate apartment where he could go meet girls uh, and uh, the wife and the, the kids didn't know anything about it. When you're making provision at that level of sin, you're, you're doing what the Bible would maybe define as practicing sin. What does it mean to practice sin? When you practice guitar, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get better at playing the guitar. If you're practicing sin, you're trying to get better at committing sin. Uh, and and th- if you're practicing sin, that's, there's a big difference between practicing sin versus stumbling in sin. You know, I would even maybe quantify David's sin with Bathsheba. Remember there where he was uh, just standing on the roof and, and he sees this girl and he lusts after her and he calls her up to his palace and he sleeps with her. Um, I don't know that David was necessarily purposefully trying to overtake sin on that moment he went out on his roof. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know for sure. He, we do know that he should have been off fighting battles with the other guys. Remember that? All the men were at war. David's at home with all the ladies. Uh, that's a mistake right there. Uh, was he practicing sin? I don't know. But he surely stumbled in sin. And then where it started to become sort of a practice of sin was when David tried to cover it up. Remember, he, he tried to cover it up and he killed Uriah the Hittite and, you know, and all this stuff. That's when it became a practice and that's when he got called out by Nathan the prophet. The reason I say this is because practicing sin is ever so dangerous. Um, can I tell you why? Um, the, the idea of practicing sin, it's because there, you know, as a guy who I do believe in eternal security and I do believe in, you know, that we're saved by God's grace, um, and, I, and I do believe that a man can say, I know that I'm headed to heaven uh, by the grace of God. But at the same time, I wanna, I wanna tell you, you gotta be careful because um, the Bible, there's a, there's a, there's a few scriptures that, that make me a little nervous. Have you ever heard people argue the once saved, always saved, can you lose your salvation argument? And you Calvinists and Arminianists, man, for hundreds and hundreds of years, for centuries, people have been pounding out, can you lose your salvation once saved, always saved? I think it's a little more nuanced than either of those arguments. I think both of those arguments are interesting and fun to talk about, but maybe a little bit restrictive. Um, walking with God does not include practicing getting better at sin. And here's where the, the scriptures are very scary. Uh, jotted down, Ephes- pardon me, Galatians chapter five, verse uh, 19. Listen to this. Does this make anybody nervous? It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest or made known, which are these, adultery. Fornication, what is fornication? Greek word, porneia. <laughs> where we get our word pornography. So sexual immorality, anything that's outside of the marriage bed that's sexual in nature is called fornication in the Bible. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresy, envying, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. Now listen, Paul goes on. He says, which I've told you before, as I also tell you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that make you nervous? Those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See, for me, as an internal security guy, I kind of go, oh boy, that's tough. 
But it causes me to dig a little deeper and say, what is Paul saying here? Because in some senses, if I read this, just as it says right here, which one of us in this room are going to heaven? Well, Brett, I've never murdered anybody. Um, do you remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? He upped the stakes a little bit when he said, if you have hatred in your heart toward a brother, you're guilty of murder. Well, I've never committed adultery, Brett. Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Ooh. But even if we don't go with that line of thought, <clears throat> there's a few here envying. Have you ever envied anybody? Drunkenness, um, uncleanness. Uh, you know, the, some of these words, you know, we get kind of uh, a little weird about like, what's lasciviousness? Partying in a sinful kind of way is, is sort of the idea. Witchcraft is an interesting word. Uh, you know, you guys are going, well, at least I'm not Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I don't have to be on this list here. Great, uh, I'm not on that one, witchcraft. You know, the, 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 the Greek word for that word is pharmakia, which is where we get our word pharmacy, which is more of a drug issue, kind of interesting. Um, that, look it up, you can look it up yourself. So again, it starts to get a little, little brutal when we talk about you know, strife. Have you been angry? Wrath, which is unrighteous wrath. There's a righteous anger, but there's also an unrighteous anger. Have you ever been unrighteously anger? I sure have. Um, so you say, Brett, does that mean you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, here's where we gotta break it down a little more importantly, where it says, those that commit such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The wording there is kind of an interesting thing when you break it down in the Greek language, it, uh, and not to be fancy with all this stuff, because I'm not good at, at um, I, I barely passed English uh, in high school. Um, but uh, the, the thing that's kind of interesting here is it's present active participle. Well, whoopee-doo. <clears throat> present active participle, what's that? Well, the idea in the Greek is it, it, it would almost, could better be translated perhaps, those who continually practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and we know that's true because remember Paul talks to the church uh, in other places and says, you guys have done this, fornication, adultery, murder, but you no longer do them. You've been saved and you've been forgiven. So there's, there's the idea of you know, people that have been saved who've done these things. So it's not just the committing of this once, it's the idea of a practicing of sin. And, and if you're practicing sin, I, as a pastor, don't wanna give you know, a bunch of guys this false sense of security. Hey, I was saved at camp when I was in sixth grade, you know, and I accepted Jesus, but now I'm doing porn and you know, taking drugs and you know, once in a while I have a little sexual fling here and there. Hey, but at least I'm saved by God's grace. And God's grace has become this little doormat where you wipe your feet before you, get, you know, go into church. Uh, and that's not, a, that's not a healthy thing. Have people wondered why, you know, why do Christian churches and pastors get up in such a tizzy about homosexuality? Come on, it's just a, a sin. If you're willing to admit that it's a sin, which the Bible says it is, um, then why, why would, would you get so up on, you know, why do you talk about homosexuality so much, Brett? There's other sins out there. Here's the reason why. It's, it's what I'm talking about. Let's, let's compare anger and homosexuality, okay? Some of you guys are angry men. You treat your wives badly, you get grumpy at home, and you yell at the kids. Um, you know what? Nobody celebrates that. I've not seen a parade in Portland with angry flags and a bunch of men, we're angry men, we're angry men, and celebrate anger, you know? Uh, we don't see that. We, we, we're just not seeing that around. Most people know that angry man's just a jerk and he needs to stop it. 
And he needs to humble himself, get some encouragement and help and repent of his sins. Even the average worldling would say, yeah, it's not cool to be an angry man. Um, so that's the difference. There's people going saying, we're gonna celebrate this sin. And, and listen, you could almost put it this way, we're gonna practice this sin. Most guys that are even angry men are not saying, yeah, I'm practicing, I'm getting angry better and better. Nobody's saying that. But with the homosexual issue, people are saying, it's a lifestyle that you can choose and you can live that lifestyle and you can, you can be a practicing homosexual and it's still okay. And the Bible says, on this list, if you're a practicing, you know, uh, homosexual, then you, it says here that you're in danger. Danger that you may not inherit the kingdom. Just like I'd say that to the angry man. Well, Brett, there's, that makes me nervous because I have sins that have plagued me my whole life. Some of you guys might say, well, the pornea one is the one that makes me nervous. Because some of you guys have struggled with pornography since you were a little kid. And uh, a lot of men, a lot of men have struggled with that. Uh, you're not alone on that. But see, here's the difference. If you're saying, I'm gonna practice pornography. I'm gonna figure out how to do it and look at stuff and engage in that kind of stuff for a long time and just keep doing that and figure out ways to hide my sins so nobody finds out. Then you're practice. I put you in the same category as the, 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 the person who's saying, I'm practicing sin. That, that's, that's a dangerous place for you guys to be. By the way, we did a whole ironworks on pornography and talked about that. Not that we handled the issue, uh, but we scratched the surface here at an ironworks uh, on pornography. You can look it up on our ironworks series online. Uh, it's one of the biggest problems I think men deal with in a lot of ways. But there's a difference if a guy's struggling with pornography, I put him in a different category biblically. Um, that's the guy that's trying to wrestle against his own sinfulness. Um, you kind of hear Paul. Now, we don't think that Paul was wrestling with pornography, but he was wrestling with something. When he says, I do the things I don't wanna do and I don't do the things I do wanna do. Oh, what wretched man that I am. You know, there's no good thing that lies within my flesh. Paul was wrestling with something. Isn't it funny that, you know, Isaiah, the prophet, who's, you know, we kind of picture him as this stained glass character from the Old Testament, but he says, woe is me. Apparently he had a horse named Ismi. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, he said, woe is me, I'm a man who's of unclean lips. What does that mean? Isaiah struggled, something about, what did he swear, like a sailor? I mean, who knows? Prophet, prophet Isaiah walking around, hey, thus saith Lord, blankety blank, blank. Like, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> But, but all I know is he had something wrong with his lips. He was speaking ill of people or I don't know what he was doing. But remember the Lord came and said, that, that's okay, I'm gonna take care of that. And he you know, took the coal and cauterized his lips like this crazy story there of, of what the Lord did to help him so that he could speak the word of the Lord and stuff like that. But see, here's the thing, guys, is we need to make sure that it, as we start this conversation of walking with the Lord and what that really means, it cannot mean walking contrary to the Lord because two can't walk together unless they be agreed. You and I, we need to agree with the Lord. If you're gonna have a walk with the Lord, you've gotta agree with the Lord. Well, Brad, I agree with the Lord. Well, that, that, that's the academically correct answer. But, but do you agree with the Lord when it comes to pornography? When it comes to certain sins that the Bible lists as sins, do you agree with the Lord? Because as soon as we stop agreeing with what the Bible says, 
We're starting a walk that's contrary to God and you cannot walk with God unless you are walking with God. That's what Enoch does. He walked with God. Who was the first guy who walked with God in the Bible? Anybody? Adam. It says he walked with God in the you know, cool of the day until he sinned. Remember, sin was the thing that stopped that walk. Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the garden. What a great image that. Don't you wonder what that was like? For Adam and Eve to be in the Garden of Eden, everything's great, no sin. Uh, you know, you got just tons of food around and a naked lady and God walking with you and there's no sin. It's not sinful. It's like everything's great. And then they sinned and it messed up the whole thing. And what happened to Adam and Eve's walk once they sinned? It ended. They ran into the bushes and hid and the Lord's like, uh, Adam, Eve, wh- where are you guys? I always joke, did the Lord lose Adam and Eve? Like two people on the earth. Oh, what did I do with those two people? <laughs> They're hiding on the earth somewhere. Where are you? No, no, I think the Lord was saying, what, where are you guys at in your life and in your walk? What happened? We were walking in the garden yesterday, but now you're quivering in, in, you know, with some scratchy leaves covering yourselves, hiding in the bushes. What's going on there? You know, I sense that in our culture, we men are, you know, if Satan can mess with men and get us off of our walk and makes us hiding in the scratchy bushes because we know we're sinful and not really wanting to step up to the plate because we know we're wretched, miserable sinners. If Satan can get us there, mission accomplished. If you get all the men that are supposed to be men of faith in this world all, you know, caught up in sin, he, he's, got, he's got us. Um, sometimes I wonder why women have been so strong historically in the church. Um, it's because I think oftentimes men, we get all caught up in sin and then we feel like we're ill-qualified to do things that are godly and minister and pray and lead people because, because of our own sin. And Satan sort of takes your legs out from under you. And so the women step up to the plate. And historically, there's a reason why women have often stepped up in the church. I've always wanted Athey Creek to be a church where men could step up and walk with the Lord and lead. By example, in business, in our careers, in our families, not just in the church building, I'm talking about the church, that men, Athey Creek men would step up walking with God and that we would take it by the horns and just lead. You know, there's something funny about this culture of you know, canceling males uh, and females, everybody's being canceled, but you know, toxic masculinity and, and all this stuff about um, you know, male privilege and, and stuff like this. And, and uh, it, it's just trying to push men down more and more these days. But I think in those days, we as godly Christian men need to step up and walk with God and, and be in a, in a place where the Lord can use us. Be in a place of relationship with God. You cannot walk with God unless you have a relationship with God. I love that, you know, this guy Enoch goes down in history with no other real, you know, narrative about him. He, he wasn't into, you know, hunting. He wasn't uh, into boating or he wasn't into motocross. He was into walking with God. And this guy goes down for millennia as the dude that walked with God. And so pleasing to God was that, that God says, you know what? I'm just gonna take Enoch out. I like this guy, he's coming home. Up to heaven he goes, walked. That's the first part of this, Enoch walked with God. Um, How do you walk with God? You know, it's interesting because um, Colossians 2, 6 says this, 
as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You know, walking with God is not as complicated as people might think. Does a walk mean you have to know your hermeneutics and your eschatology and, you know, have memorized Genesis chapter five, the genealogies of, you know, like, like what does walking with God mean? Colossians 2, 6 tells us, as you received Christ, so walk in him. How did you receive Jesus Christ? By just simply accepting the work that he did for you. You and I didn't have to do the work. He did all the work by believing in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. So you were saved by the grace of God through faith. God's grace that we sang about earlier, undeserved, unearned favor, you were saved by that grace. And then the Lord says, that's how I want you to walk in that grace. So it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. To have a walk with God does not mean perfection. If that were true, none of us would be able to say, yeah, I walk with God. But the idea is that you're not practicing sin and walking contrary to God. You walk with God by, in the, way, the same way that you were saved, you walk with God by his grace. So if you, if you think of your own walk, are you, first of all, walking by his grace? Are you walking in his grace? Knowing that you can walk today, not because you were a jerk yesterday and you don't deserve to walk with God. No, it's because morning by morning, new mercies we see. You can walk with God today because he's gracious. The same way you were saved is the same way you walk with God. I hope that makes sense. You don't walk with God by becoming a monk or becoming some preacher or you know, book writer or influencer or whatever you wanna call yourself. That's not walking with God. Walking with God is just the same way you were saved according to Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. Now, um, the, the word walked is important, with is important. Um, Hebrews eleven six tells us something a little more um, in fact, why don't you turn to Hebrews 11? Because that's where we learn a little bit more about Enoch. Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11 is, of course, what we lovingly like to refer to as the Hall of Faith. These are the great men and women of faith from the Old Testament and the author of Hebrews lists them for us and, and talks about what makes them, you know, hall of faithers. Um, and what's funny about this list, by the way, there's people here that are in the list that you might be surprised that they made the list of the hall of faith. You know, if you go, if you go to the hall of fame, you know, a football, NFL hall of fame, um, if you're like me, you, you kind of, I've never been there, but I know who's in there. And, and there's some players like, oh yeah, he, he should have been in here a long time ago. Like, have you ever seen people like, it's about time they put him in the Hall of Fame. But then there's others guys like, who is that? I've never even heard of him. How did he get in the Hall of Fame? You know, this reads a little bit like that. Some guys made it, some guys didn't. But Enoch, of all people, who gets like just a couple of verses of the Old Testament, makes it in this list. Along with Moses and, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, Isaiah and, and Rahab and uh, Sarah and Noah, like and, uh, Daniel, like there's a bunch of guys that made this, but Enoch makes it in this very elite list. It says here in chapter 11 of Hebrews verse five, it says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. See, that, that's a commentary on what happened in Genesis chapter five. Because Genesis five, you're like, what happened there? He was not 
because God took him. That's all we get out of Genesis. But here it says, he didn't see death. He was taken up. So Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. And before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Point number two of what Enoch did, he not only walked with God, he pleased God. And you say, well, Brett, did he walk with God or did he please God? I think the answer is he walked with God, so he pleased God. It's pleasing to God when a man walks with God. Just a general, steady, progressive walk. Oh man, I, I worry that we're um, raising young men that um, are so quick to be up and down. And um, you know, I, I know there's a certain personality trait. You know, David was a guy, poor guy, he was a little bit manic, I think. When you read the Bible and read the Psalms, David, David he, he was a Mr. Emotional Roller Coaster. Um, and, and by the way, some of the most talented guys are. I mean, David was one of the most talented guys in all the Bible. But as it turns out, David was uh, ups, ups and downs. I tend to, you know, really appreciate those guys for their artistic abilities and uh, creativeness. But man, that's not the guy you want when you just need steady Eddie. There's the steady Eddie guys. And those guys are in the Bible too. I think Daniel was a steady Eddie. Man, the guy just through thick and thin, ups and downs, life and death, just did the same thing every day. Um, I love that. Even Joseph, with his life being total mayhem, steady Eddie. I love those guys. But I, I, I'm concerned that we, not only because people are wired that way, but I think we've almost um, encouraged that, maybe uh, accidentally in our younger men, to be sort of weaker and not just say, you know what, this is a problem in my life, but I'm gonna push through this. I'm gonna just be a man who walks with God through all these challenges I'm going through. I, I just see this tendency, maybe I'm getting old and I'm like the old guy, well, when we were kids, you know, we used to do that. Well, no, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna act like that. But at the same time, be careful, young men. Don't fall into this trap of just being sort of really soft when it comes to bad things happening in your life. It's so tragic to me. I mean, I, I admit that kids and the coronavirus and not being able to go to school is a bummer, um, and kids have been stuck at home. I, I get it, it's been hard. But at the same time, if you look historically what other children have gone through, like the Holocaust, I think the coronavirus has been nothing. It doesn't even register on the Richter scale. It's so tragic to me because, um, you know, they, they say in our, in our nation, suicide rates are skyrocketing right now. And, and it's because, you know, there's, there's so much tough stuff going on in people's lives, and I, I wonder if, if there's, you know, just spiritual warfare going on there for sure. But I also wonder if we've just not really equipped some of our young people to deal with challenges and difficulties. Um, would, the, would the previous generation, and there's not a lot of World War II vets left in us, in our groups of men, but what, what does that generation think about our being really sad and upset about uh, the coronavirus and how horrible it's been? And we're all so afraid the fear is so palpable. Man, you can just feel the fear as you're walking through Costco and people are looking at you. I've never done that. I just heard that happens. I don't go to Costco or any shopping for that matter. Uh, I, I've banned it in my life. Um, but, um, but, you know, I, I just sense real fear in people. And, and uh, man, we need to raise up young men that are like, what happened to the land of the free and the home of the brave? 
Fear is the new, you know, valued quality in a person that you're afraid and you're really gonna be really, really afraid. Don't, don't do that. Don't raise our young men to be that. We need men that walk strongly with the Lord. So, you know, here's, here's this thing where it says, you know, Enoch was, didn't taste death he, because he pleased God. But look at verse six. But without faith is it impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The idea of diligence, so we see Enoch, he gets this narrative that he pleased God, we know because he walked with God. Um, this is really interesting to me. You know, here, um, where, where do you walk when you're walking? What, what is the path that you walk on? Um, if I could quantify those things, the path of fellowship. It, you know, it even says that here in our um, ver verse back in Genesis where it says that Enoch walked with God. There's a fellowship that takes place between God and that man. Do you have fellowship with God? Because you might say, Brett, I'm walking with God because I try to keep the Ten Commandments and I read my Bible and I... But do you have a personal relationship with God? When you're walking with someone, you can't walk unless those two be agreed. But I, there's something about just a real prayer life one of the litmus tests you can look in your own life about your walk with the Lord, if it's real or if it's just something you say, yeah, praise the Lord, God bless America, I'm a Christian and I walk with the Lord. One of the things that's kind of the real deal or not is do you have a prayer life? I mean, I'm not talking about blessing the food before dinner with the family. That's kind of given. Um, uh, but is that a real prayer life? I don't believe so. I think a lot of guys think, well, I pray because I pray at dinner time every evening with the family. Uh, do you pray? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Do you have a kind of a constant conversation with the Lord throughout each day? That's a good indicator on how your walk is because part of this thing is, is knowing God, talking with God, having a fellowship. The path of walking with God includes talking with God and having that personal relationship with him. So check, check yourself. That's just a litmus test. I'm not trying to put a heavy trip on anybody. I'm just telling you what the Bible talks about. But I don't think you can really walk with God if you're not praying to God or talking with God. So the pathway of fellowship, that's number one, walking with God. But the path also of holiness, we've talked about that um, before God. You know, it's interesting um, because this path of holiness and um, it reminds me um, of Genesis chapter 17. And uh, it says um, this about, um, you know, Moses, um, pardon me, Abraham, verse, verse one of uh, chapter 17. Um, it says, uh, no, where was I? 17.1, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. The Lord told Abraham in 17.1, Genesis 17.1, he said, walk before me, walk perfect. Um, and I am the, so I love this. And then we see in chapter 18, verse one, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre as he sat in the tent in the heat of the day. What was Abraham doing there when the Lord shows up in his tent? I believe he was seeking the Lord. A man that is walking with the Lord, he's got this, 
this um, relationship where he's seeking the Lord and talking to the Lord and the Lord will show up. He does, he shows up. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added unto you. Too many men are seeking after success and seeking after wealth and health and happiness and all that, but they don't realize seek first the kingdom then everything else is, is added unto that. You know, the walk with God includes a personal relationship of prayer and seeking the Lord. If you don't have a real walk, you're, you know, the indicator is probably you're not really seeking the Lord. Well, Brett, I sought the Lord. I prayed, you know, last week once and I didn't hear anything. <laughs> prayer is a funny thing uh, because I think we think that if we pray once, we're gonna hear this voice from heaven. And that could happen, but it usually doesn't. Uh, most of us have never heard, heard the voice of God boom from heaven. That'd be sweet, but it hasn't happened to me. But you know, the Lord speaks often in a still small voice. The Bible says God has the voice of many waters. What does that mean? Sometimes he sounds like, you know, um, a little drip, quiet. Sometimes he sounds like Niagara Falls or Oregon City Falls, the Willamette Falls there. Like sometimes, sometimes it's just a little splash once in a while. Like, like remember Daniel, he was seeking the Lord and he sought the Lord for 21 days and then the Lord shows up. 21 days. When was the last time you were fasting and praying for 21 days? Um, I'm convinced the guy that just perseveres in prayer, the Lord does show up, but it's not on our, on our timetable. Um, but, but you gotta have this active seeking of the Lord, but then you have to also um, have this pathway of holiness that we're talking about, where you gotta say, I'm not gonna just play around and mess around with sin. Because that's not walking with God. That's how we started this whole thing. So you got the pathway, pathway of fellowship, pathway of holiness, but you also have to walk on the pathway of obedience, doing what God calls you to do. Um, this is an important part of your walk with the Lord is just the path of obedience. Jot this down uh, in your notes, Deuteronomy 13, four. It says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and cleave to him. This is what the Lord was telling the children of Israel that you need, if you wanna have a walk with the Lord, you gotta fear him and keep his commandments. So, so the man that is truly walking with God, what you're gonna do is you're gonna see, um, you're gonna see this obedience, you're gonna see holiness, you're gonna see fellowship. Another thing about walking though, and um, this is a key, is you got the path of fellowship, path of holiness, path of obedience, but you also have the path of renewal, and that, this is really important. Um, it's like the Lamentations verse uh, we talked about last week, and I, I think I'm gonna teach tonight and tomorrow uh, um, about those verses that I touched on last week. They're in Lamentations chapter three, where it says, you know, that um, it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Um, but his mercies are new every morning, Great is thy faithfulness. We're gonna talk more about that because that's such a huge thing. But here's the thing. If you have a walk with the Lord, I don't know about you. I might walk with the Lord from, you know, you know 6 a.m. when we first get up and I might have a pretty decent walk noon, but then I get busy and I get kind of, and I get a headache. And then by the time I'm there, I'm a little grouchy and pretty soon I'm doing things and I don't feel like I have much of a walk anymore by the, by the afternoon. Because, you know, I've failed, I've made mistakes and things aren't going great. I love that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. I think it's in a way, you might wanna look at your walk with the Lord as something that starts out each day, brand new. The Lord wants to walk with you. 
Um, I, I wonder, my brother-in-law, John Corson, eh, I don't know if you guys know John, but John's just one of the more gifted Bible teachers I've ever known, and I grew up listening to his through the Bible teaching. And if you don't have John Corson's commentary, I think it's one of the best Bible commentaries out there, honestly. It's um, called the Application Commentary. It's in our little bookstore back there, but um, it's, it's great. But, um, but John kind of never ceases to amaze me. In his older years now, um, he started going on these walks, um, and, uh, and he's walking like 10 miles a day. Um, which I can't even imagine that. That just makes me tired thinking about it. Um, and he's like getting really thin and really like really skinny. I, I can't even imagine that either. That's horrible. Um, can't imagine that happened to a poor man. You know, John was always this huge, you know, muscular guy, and now he's like this. But but what I've heard he's doing is he's just walking and memorizing scripture and t- praying and seeking the Lord. And I think you know, there's a lot of guys at his age in life. Um, that would just kind of say, you know what, I've kind of sought the Lord, I've kind of read the Bible, I've kind of done stuff. But, but I love that, that, you know, my brother-in-law, John, he's just constantly pressing in and going deeper. And I just think, man, I love that a guy has a walk with the Lord. And John's been through some ups and downs in his life. I mean, uh, I don't know many people who've been through quite the same level of ups and downs. His wife killed in a car accident when I was in a sophomore in high school. Um, his daughter killed in a car accident when she was in high school, when I was in my 20s. Um, and and um, his son dying of cancer. Like, how many guys go through this in just, you know, one life or one person? Um, he's been through a lot of trials and difficulties. But you know what? He's just got this walk with the Lord, literally walking with the Lord every morning. And I, I think about that. You know, it, it, part of your walk is daily. Walking with the Lord is a daily thing. That's another mark of a, of a walk. It's not you know, on Sunday only, or once a month, or, or every so often. How, is your walk a daily walk? Remember the old hymn we sing once in a while, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. Uh, it's a great old hymn. That's what I, I would pray for you guys and for us as men, that we have this close, diligent, faithful walk. The path of fellowship, where you're talking with God. The path of holiness, where you're not letting your sins make your walk starting to go contrary to God. Sins walk contrary, so there's path of holiness, path of obedience, just doing what God wants you to do, going where he wants you to go, the path of obedience, but also the path of renewal, where when you sin, when you make mistakes, you say, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna confess that sin and start new every day. Because listen, brothers, guys that don't get this renewal part and the new mercies every morning, the guys that don't get this, they tend to beat themselves up and they realize, well, I failed in this sin again and I'm never gonna get it right. And you talk to yourself about how you're just a big failure and you're, you, know, you struggle. Or you can just say, Lord, I, I failed again. And with a real heart of repentance, confess that sin. And then talk to the Lord. Lord, give me strength to overcome and to endure against those temptations of the enemy. And, and, and you know what's gonna happen? The guy that has the consistent walk is instead of your day kind of falling apart by noon, it'll only fall apart by two o'clock. <laughs> and then you'll sin and you'll make some mistakes again. And then you say, Lord, oh. And like Paul, oh, I don't do the things I do wanna do and I do the things I don't wanna do. Was Paul just an evil, wretched sinner? Or was he a, a Christian who was struggling to get it right? And if Paul the apostle, who was way better than any of us guys in this room, he was called the Pharisee of Pharisees. If that guy struggled, then guess what? You and I struggle. 
If there's one thing that I think, you know, the ministry and pastors and priests and all that, there's been this sort of pretense that the priest or the pastor has it more together somehow than anybody else. Big mistake. Because they're, you know, I, I mean, it gets really weird. I, I bet you some of, some of, you know, your wives probably think uh, that, uh, you know, oh, honey, I wish you could be more like Pastor Brent. But if your wife talked to my wife, she'd say, never mind. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's funny. We're all sinners. And, and you know, the, the, the one thing is, there is something about a guy that's saying, man, I want to walk with the Lord. And I want to get better and practice walking with the Lord. That guy's going to be doing better. And there's something really rich about the guy that walks with the Lord. And, and, and there's something that's pleasing to God about a guy that walks with God. So Enoch, it says he walked with God and then in Hebrews 11, he pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Enoch was a man of faith. That's why he makes the hall of faith. Isn't it interesting? A guy makes the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 just for having a walk. That's it. That's all he had is a walk. I wonder if that's what the Lord requires of you. Some of you guys are thinking, I need to be a missionary in Africa or start a church or do something huge. I don't know if that's as pleasing to God in some ways than just a guy that says, I'm gonna walk with God. Every day, spend time in his word. Every day, getting on my knees and praying before the Lord. Every day, confessing my sins and starting out new mercies every morning. Just walk, steady progress. Too many guys are so busy sinning, they're quivering in the bushes like Noah, or pardon, Adam and Eve, I should say. Um, and they're just derailing themselves. Like the key is, is to keep a short list of sin and walk with God. What a splendid walk Enoch had. 300 years. That's another thing I'm learning to value is the guys that walk with the Lord year after year, decade after decade. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've gone to church pretty much my whole life. And you know, there's something to be said, I've gotta say, for the men that I've watched walk with the Lord for a long time. You know, I can see guys walk with the Lord for a week or, or a year and really on fire and stuff, but I'm starting to understand <clears throat> what the Lord sees in a man that walks for 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, just a steady walk. I think that might just be one of the most pleasing things to God. As I read the Bible, this seems to really please God. By the way, I know I'm connecting a lot of dots here, hopefully, um, but um, why do you exist? Anybody? To please God. That's your whole existence, your existence. You know, the book of Revelation chapter four says, you know, thou art worthy, O Lord, and for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure thou hast created everything. You were created for God's pleasure. And as it turns out, it seems, when you read the Bible, one of the things that brings God's, the greatest pleasure is for you to have a walk with him, to walk with him, like Enoch. For he walked with God and he pleased God. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we had a church full of men that it's not that we're looking for great, massive things and rallies and, you know, big uh, hubbubs about ministry stuff. And I think sometimes that's stuff that pleases us. But I wonder if, if there was just a church full of men that just had the steady walk and not just for a few weeks, but a bunch of guys that just walk decade after decade, just to walk with the Lord. You show me a church like that, I'll show you a church of a bunch of young men that are gonna grow up and see that and want the same thing for themselves. We need that. We need our young guys to see um, not this mamby-pamby, you know, 
church guy that sort of stumbles in once in a while to church and kind of this weak need, you know, guy that says, yeah, I'm a Christian, God bless America. Our young men need to see guys that have a legitimate, real walk with the Lord. And, and I think we have a deficit in the world today of that. Walking with God. Enoch's one of my heroes of the Bible. You might say, well, easy for Enoch, but I live in a different time and I have so much to do. Who's got time to pray and read their Bible? And, you know, it's interesting that Enoch was a prominent, uh, prominent guy, being the seventh guy from Adam. Um, he was a family man. Look at verse 22. He begat sons and daughters, it says here in our text. Um, there's another thing about Enoch that I haven't told you about. Did you know he lived in a, in a sort of an evil age? So you might say, well, Enoch lived in that Genesis period where everything was still pretty close to the Garden of Eden and everything was still pretty holy and they didn't have pornography and they didn't have, you know, internet connections and they didn't have, you know, this and that and the other thing. Did you know that Enoch was an end times kind of guy? He lived right before the Lord destroyed the earth, just like I think you and I might be living in a time before the wrath of God is poured out on this world again. But Enoch was an end times kind of guy. Did you know that he wrote a book? The Book of Enoch. Question, how many guys have read the Book of Enoch? A few of you, a couple of you guys. It's funny because it didn't make the you know, canon of scripture. There, there's some, you know, if you find these guys on Discover Channel or History Channel, watch out for the cardigan wearing uh, you know, religious guys on those channels. They don't know anything. But um, you'll hear them puff their pipe. Well, the book of Enoch should have been included in the scriptures. You know, you hear these guys say that. Well, that's just stupid. Um, <clears throat> but, but here's the thing that's funny. The book of Enoch is an interesting read, but when you read it, it's not the scripture. And any lame-brained Christianity 101 person who's read the Bible could say, yeah, it's not quite on the same level as the Bible. Bible is inspired word of God. Uh, and the early church fathers, as they put the canon of scripture together, they didn't include Enoch. But the thing that's interesting about the book of Enoch is um, that something he said was inspired. Um, but, but what was it? Well, as it turns out, it's, it's in the book of Jude. <laughs> Listen to Jude. I'll finish with this. Jude, um, it's only one chapter in Jude, but um, Enoch's quoted in the book of Jude. It says in, in uh, Jude uh, verse 14, it says, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Huh? What did he, did you notice that Enoch was kind of coming against in his, in his words here that are quoted by the Jude? So these are the words that are inspired that made the Bible that Enoch said, it's in the book of Jude. And he's saying the Lord's coming with 10,000s of the saints. When, that, when does that happen? The second coming of Christ. So Enoch's talking about the end times way back in Genesis. That's an amazing thing. You gotta give Enoch some credit there. But then he also says the Lord's gonna execute judgment on all the ungodly. And he says ungodly like five times. Uh, he says <clears throat> to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. I mean, like, like he, he had a thing about ungodliness. Why was Enoch a guy who said, I'm not into ungodliness? Because he was a guy who walked with God and he pleased God. 
So the more he walked with God, the more he had a thing where, man, I don't want anything to do with this ungodliness. And he spoke words of prophecy against the ungodly. And that the wrath of God was coming to show judgment upon those that were ungodly. What does it mean to be ungodly? Um, Someone who's not walking with God. Someone who's walking in their sin, walking in this life apart from God. That's the ungodly. And I'll tell you guys, we need to be men and focus on that. Um, I wonder if maybe your walk with God should be a little bit more of a priority. I'm not saying all you guys, but could it be that some of you guys could say, yeah, Pastor Brett, I could probably up my game in this area of my walk. Um, and, um, and maybe you've been good at sort of pretense of, yeah, you know, I, I read my Bible and I go to church and I'm here on a Saturday morning for crying out loud, at least I'm that godly. Um, uh, but, uh, but, but maybe you sense that I need to have that daily, steady, progressive walk. Walk implies progression. Maybe some of you guys are guilty of flying like wings of eagles, running and not growing weary, but you're walking. You, you, you know, maybe you've been a good sprinter, but you, you didn't do so good with the walk. Maybe you, maybe you sprinted for five or 10 years in ministry when you were a younger man, but now you're kind of pooped and you've sort of let the, the younger men take the walk part and you're, you're just kind of in cruise control right now. The Lord would have you know that you need to be a, an older man who's walking Steady progress, seeking, you know, obedience and, and prayer and, and, and fellowship with God. This is what the Lord would want us to renew perhaps today. And I'd like to take a minute and just pray that in, you know, just for us to take time to pray for our own personal walk with the Lord. Um, and uh, would you just bow your heads with me as we sort of wrap this up? The Lord has put this on my heart because I'm convinced that some of you guys, you already knew this before you even walked in today, (laughs) that you kind of needed to up your game, but maybe just hearing this, you know, I I believe we're living in last days, kind of like Enoch. And um, I believe there's a lot of guys walking in this life unfulfilled, wondering why their life even exists. They're nearing the end of their career or in the middle of their career, and they're thinking, it's not all that it was gonna be chalked up to be. And maybe there's just an emptiness and maybe there's just a, a lack. But I, I think the answer, you know, when you realize your reason for existence is to please God, then your walk becomes the most important thing in the world. Not your career, not your kids' sports, not your hobbies or anything like that. The most important thing for you as a man is to have a walk that is pleasing to God. And, and once you please God, guess what? Everything else works out. The kids' sports work out, your career works out, but you, you'll find everything empty apart from a walk with God. And so I wanna challenge us today, and if that's you, if you're saying, Brett, I, um, I know that my walk could be sharpened. And, um, and if that's you, I want you to think right now, what are the things you're gonna do today, now, that's gonna be different than what you've been doing? For some of you, it might mean reading your Bible every day. You don't have to read books of the Bible every day. I'm talking a chapter a day. Um, It means prayer, not when anybody sees prayer, when it's just you and God. I find my truck is the best prayer closet of all. I've I've sought the Lord more in my truck than just about any place, other place, because it's a place that's finally quiet. And I can uh, seek the Lord and and, uh, hear him there in my truck. 
Do you have a place you can get away from everything, all the noise, shut down your phone and, and just say, I'm gonna seek the Lord and pray. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's for you to break off a sin that you've been practicing because you know that if you're practicing sin, you cannot walk with God. It's impossible to practice sin and walk with God at the same time. It's, it's possible to walk with God and stumble in sin and struggle with sin. That's join the crowd there. But if you're trying to get better at sin, practicing it, getting better at it, your walk is non-existent. And even to the point where it says you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, that's, that's heavy, man. Guys, if that's you and you're saying, Brett, that's me, would you acknowledge that before God right now and just admit it by raising your, your, your heads are bowed, but would you just raise your hand before the Lord and say, Lord, I need help with that. And just acknowledge that right now, any, any one of you guys. Lord, you see these hands that are up, each one of us. I, I think, Lord, as we lift our hands to you, I pray that you deepen us. Deepen our walk with you, Lord. Help us not to have that wavering faith and the wavering sinful things that we keep, keep practicing and getting better at. Help us to repent of our sins, walk with you. Lord, commune with you, talk with you, hear from you. Lord, I pray that the men in this room would have, and the men I'm watching online, that they would have a, a renewed desire to have a, just a daily walk, a closer walk with you. And we pray that when the spirit is willing right now in this setting and our flesh becomes weak, Lord, be our strength. I pray that we would see the value in having that walk. Lord, help us to learn from Enoch. Lord, you planted this little guy in the Bible as just an example of a guy who walked with you and pleased you. May that be true of Athey Creek men. We ask this, Lord, knowing you've heard our prayer now. We commit our lives to you. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand together. You know, if you're struggling with breaking off of a sin and the whole practicing sin, sure helps to be accountable to another brother. Um, if you need help with that, you know, there's a bunch of guys in this room who have all struggled with sin, except for, you know, a couple of you guys are perfect. But other than that, no, 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 every single one of us. Uh, I always am a big fan of guys getting to know each other. And, and that's one of the things I hope you can do on these Ironworks days is, you know, don't just be a stranger to the person you're sitting next to. Uh, it's great when brothers get to know each other a little bit. Um, and I wanna challenge you not just to bolt uh, out of here this morning, but to get to know the guy next to you that you don't know. Uh, find out who he is, get to know. And then, but, but I think ultimately that every guy should have guys that they kind of have a regular chat with, talk with. And you know, the Bible says um, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. We're, the Bible says we're to confess our sins one to another. Um, I, I wouldn't encourage confessing your sins to everybody, but there should be a guy that you can confess, man, I'm struggling with this. And he's not gonna, you know, go and run, run and tell everybody, ha ha, you know, so-and-so's struggling with pornography. And, and then, you know, it's like, you know, I think there's something where you guys need to like have bros around you that can kind of stand with you and pray for you. And, uh, you know, kind of be accountable one to another. Accountability works only as much as you're willing to be accountable. But if you're willing to be accountable to another guy, I've seen the Lord use that mightily. Um, hopefully you have that. If you don't uh, and you struggle with getting to know people, then, then I would start with meeting with one of our pastors on our pastoral team. Just come and grab coffee with the guys uh, on our team and just get to know them first. And then maybe, you know, you can start working on, you know, getting to know more guys that you can say, I'm not gonna just have only my wife as my accountability partner. That doesn't always work so well. Um, it's nice to have somebody outside of your marriage that's your accountability partner. Uh, something for you to think about. 
But may the Lord bless you guys and may you have a walk that's real and powerful and, and, and so impressive that your sons and our sons' sons will see what a godly man really looks like. May that happen in Jesus' name. God bless you.